We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. E. This is the Resilient Schools Podcast on the B Podcast Network. I am the creator, Jethro Jones. In this podcast, we help schools become resilient, which means that they are able to adapt and overcome any situation that presents itself. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Resilient Schools Podcast on the B Podcast Network. I am your host, Jethro Jones, and I am excited to have Eric Noctigal on the program today. And he is from SDAC and part of the Bridging to Resilience uh, conference that we've been talking about for the last several weeks and uh, excited for you to have this interview. Uh, this is our last interview before the conference starts. So um, so this will be good. So Eric, first, why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit and just briefly tell us about who you are and what you do. Uh, my Again, my name is Eric Noctigal. I am part of the Resilience as well as the Embedded Services team of ESDEC, which is an amazing organization that goes out and helps schools and community organizations and public educators. A little bit about my history. Uh, this is my 29th year in working with schools, teachers, educators, and just trying to build resilience in lots of different folks and trying to make the world a better place and somewhat trying to change the world. Uh, I have worked most of my life in elementary school, so I love working with the, the little kids, but I'll work with adolescents. I've taught second grade. I've been a school counselor, which was near and dear to my heart. I loved having great relationship building conversations with kiddos and helping them with their social emotional growth. Uh, I've been a school administrator and for the last 10 years, I have been more of a behavior intervention consultant that focuses on uh, using trauma-informed approaches to helping adults grow, to helping kids grow, to building relationships, to helping kids be more successful with their emotional regulation, teaching them missing or lagging skills, a lot of things like that, just to try to help kids be the best they can and build resilience in their life. So. Um, yeah, I, I just, I've dedicated my life to working with, with kids and through that avenue of working with kids and teachers and schools, just trying, like I said, to, to change the world a little bit for the better, to create more understanding, more compassion, better relationships, and, uh, create kindness in the world that's going to help people be accountable, uh, be authentic, 
be vulnerable when needed to, and and just really make the world yeah, a better place. That's fantastic. So what what to you is the big takeaway from our conversation today? I really think if people take away one big idea from the conversation about relationships, uh, it's not relationships are multifaceted. It is not just about telling somebody all the positives that they're doing or just all the good things they're doing. It's a balance of being authentic, being vulnerable, having a level of accountability, creating space for each person in that relationship, and, and understanding that there are going to be tough conversations. And part of a strong, quality, resilience-building relationship is being able to hear tough feedback, to be able to give tough feedback, to understand, be able to reflect on that and know, hey, this person has my best interests at heart when they're telling me these things, they want to make me a better person and they can walk through this with me and help me with this. So yeah, I think the biggest thing is though that relationships aren't just positive, 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 fill my bucket, fill my bucket, fill my bucket. It's about tough conversations, tough moments, tough stretches of time, but always through both facets, through the positive and the tough times, continuing to make space, be through, be there for that person and help them through it and become a better person and build resilience along the way. I, I love that. I, I, I would add to that, that the conversation we had about being appropriately vulnerable was really insightful for me. And I think that that, that approach of uh, giving people space to make their own decisions about sharing what, um, sharing truths about yourself, even if they might not be typically what you would usually share. I think that that whole conversation was really powerful. Uh, before we get into the interview, uh, talk to us about the Bridging to Resilience Conference and why someone should attend that, if not this year, which they definitely should, but certainly next year as well, and plan to make it one of the conferences they attend each year. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to tell you this. I would say if you can't make it this year, yes, I understand. We're getting close. But if you can, awesome. And if you can make it every single year, come every single year. I started going to the Bridging to Resilience before I worked for ESDAC. And I and I have, I say this with no small frame of mind or no small thing. It, it is a life-changing event for me. That's why, in fact, if people ask me why I work for ESDAC, part of the reason is I tell them because I went to Bridging to Resilience. And the information and the perspectives and the support and the community of people that you will meet there, that then you can draw from them and they will then walk beside you in your trauma-informed journey and then how you can help others is unmatched in any conference or any workshop or seminar I've ever gone to. And I love, I love, love, love that the Bridging to Resilience is not just a localized conference. It brings amazing educators, amazing humans, amazing people from all across the nation who have had a ton of life experiences with trauma, with healing, with resilience, that brings all those people together in one place for us to learn from, to us to connect with, to build relationships with. And then we move, take from that, and you leave that conference and you are literally on fire and wanting to change the world, starting honestly with yourself. I mean, you learn things about, oh my gosh, how can I be a better person? And then how can I use that to help others? So yeah, yeah, it, it literally, I mean, it, I can honestly say it changed my life, it made 
helped me drive passion into my life. And so please, please come to Bridging Resilience. You will not be disappointed. You will be, you will be. Well, I'm, I'm so excited to be there myself. And I think that that piece of understanding things about myself gives me so much more patience, love, concern, compassion, empathy for others. And that's one of the things that I'm uh, looking forward to getting out of this conference this next week. So uh, that is sdac.org slash B two, the number two R 23. I always get this confused in my head. So I've struggled every single time. Yeah. So that link is in the show notes at resilientschools.com. And again, uh, Eric, thank you so much for being here. We'll get to Eric's interview here in just one moment. Want to know one of my biggest frustrations with EdTech? Having too many tools and not enough time to use them right. They require too much training and it takes too much effort to implement it effectively. That's why it makes such a difference that IXL can do the job of dozens of individual tools. So I have everything I need for instruction and assessment in one place. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non-IXL schools on state assessments and independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies that IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results combined with IXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? I'm sure you want to increase achievement for all students. Find out how IXL can help. Visit IXL.com slash BE for a demo. That's IXL.com slash BE. Eric, to, to start us off, talk to us about why relationships are so important in healing trauma and making schools better places for kids. Well, first of all, I would say a basic quote is that kids will work for people they like. And the baseline of that is you have to have a relationship with that child. They have to have felt safety with you to learn, to enjoy, um, and let alone, I mean, that's not even taking into account that, you know, if you follow the, the neuroresilience framework and the brain research out there, and we know from all that research from many great researchers that the brain structure is changed when it goes through complex trauma or toxic stress or traumatic events. And the single best, most wonderful way that we can change that brain structure in a healing way is we can provide positive experiences and positive relationships for kids that will rewire the neurons and make those connections in their brain and help them feel a sense of felt safety um, and reduce the amount of times that they will go into that fight, flight, freeze mode. Um, it's just relationships, as Mr. Eric, the kids and teachers usually call me, I get a lot of joking that uh, my favorite R word is relationships. Because when I've worked with teachers before and I've worked with students and administrators in schools many times, I get so many requests and thoughts about hey, can you come in and help create and help and, and show us interventions that are going to support students with lots of emotional regulation concerns? And one of my first things I talk to them about is that 
that teacher or those adults or that counselor or that administrator or whoever it is closely working with that child or what sometimes it's more than one adult, I always tell them, you are the intervention. You having a relationship with that child and continuously building that relationship where you are the trusted adult that that child will go to when they need emotional regulation help, when they need help with anything, that relationship is going to do help in the moment. It's going to help within the grade year. It's going to help as long as they're in school. And I think the benefit, maybe the best benefit of building relationships with kids and the most important part of relationships is that it leads to resilience. And in the world as adults, when we're working with students, adolescents, Yes, we want kids to learn. Yes, we want to have the social emotional growth. But one of the big goals is we want them to be successful people in the world. And that requires resilience. And the more we can build relationships with them and build, strengthen, or widen their window of tolerance, as well as build their resilience over a lifetime, we are doing great benefit to those children. So, yeah, relationships to me are everything. They are the number one intervention that I always talk about with people and teachers. And, yeah, they're just... I, I just probably can't yeah. say enough about how important they are to building resilience yeah, and healing absolutely. trauma. Absolutely. So uh, one of the things that I want to get a little different perspective on is uh, my current coach, his name is Kyle Carnahan. Um, he said something very, what most people would say is very rude to me on the, the first time that I met him. And that quote unquote rudeness did not distance me from him, but what, what I appreciated about it was that he was being real and true and honest, but he wasn't being nice. He wasn't like handling me with kid gloves. He was really being like, this is the fact Jethro and you got to own this. And, and this is where I think sometimes we think that relationships means that it's all fluffy. It's all, uh, everything is perfect and wonderful and nobody can do any wrong. There are no expectations and everybody just can do whatever they want because we just love you. And we put that relationship first. So let me tell you what he said. So you have context and then you can tell me your thoughts about that idea that, um, relationships is all about only having positive interactions. Um, Cause I, I think you're going to, yeah. I think you're going to agree with me, but if you don't, I'll be really fascinated to hear what you have to say. <laughs> so, so, okay. uh, so I, I was talking to him and I said, well, I coach principals and I'm thinking about, uh, coaching men specifically, uh, to be, to be better men. And he looked at me and he said, Jethro, why would anybody come to coaching, come to you for coaching? You're totally fat and overweight. And that was not nice. That was like, how dare you call out my weakness that I know exists. And what I felt though was, wow, I want to work with this guy and I want him to coach me to, to be better in that area of my life as well. So it wasn't nice. It was truthful wow. and it hurt, wow. but at the same time, I felt love from him that he was not saying that to be rude to me. He was saying that to help me confront something that I had been up to that point, not very willing to confront. So let's talk about that aspect of relationships are not always like a hundred percent 
you're the best. I love you no matter what kind of a thing, but there's sometimes some harsh truths that need to be said. What, what is your thought and perspective on that? I would agree. I have some yeah, questions please. for you, but I would agree with that. Um, I would agree with that. And like, I'll tell you, first of all, the words that are coming to my mind when you talk about that situation and what he said to you, um, I think this is part of that quality, strong building resilience relationship is being authentic, being genuine. And that, like you said, that doesn't always mean I'm just going to fill you up with positive after positive after positive. Um, I think that also means accountability. So you have to be accountable for yourself, how you're coming across to others, your influence on others. And when I think of like kids in school, and like you said, when I coach principals and teachers, yes, building relationships. And the first thing we think of is just being kind and loving and wonderful and spending time with a child, all super important, but it's also building such a strong relationship with them that you can be honest and you can be truthful and you can have hard conversations with them with the understanding that I have your best interest in mind and I'm going to be here for you no matter what. And I'm never going to give up on you. I'm going to keep loving you even through the hard times that I'm this relationship is going to be strong enough to endure those hard times. So I think what you're kind of alluding to and talking about is being able to handle tough moments, have hard conversations, being able to look at the reality of yourself and how that's influencing others and being authentic and being accountable. And that's all part of that relationship. Now, so my question for you, though, back at you a little bit is this person that said that to you, because when you tell that story, it does seem like, wow, that was really kind of a rough statement and hard. Wow. So I'm, my hope would be is that you and this other person had already established a somewhat of a trusting relationship, or at least, you know, you had communicated before. It wasn't the first time you met because then it might be like, wow, that was really tough. But again, I think we have to ourselves be open to hearing tough things and having hard conversations when we're in a relationship, especially if we can truly reflect on it and think, okay, how can that feedback that I just got make me better for myself, for helping others, things like that? I mean, there has to be some embracing of authenticity and accountability relationships. It's not just all, I'm going to give you positives. I'm going to fill your bucket. I'm going to make you feel good. That's one aspect of it. But being able to reflect, be authentic in a relationship, be fully into that, have a level of trust through multiple communications, getting to know each other, spending time with each other, all that's important too. So I guess my thought would be, I agree with you. I hope that wasn't the first meeting with that person and they said that to you well, right off the bat. Here's the interesting thing. Our conversation was about twice as long as I spent with with you in explaining the conversation. So probably 60 seconds at the most before he said that to me. But here's the key. And I think that this is so important because uh, I'm going to sidetrack just a little bit, but I'm going to come back. Don't worry. So when I had students as a principal who had a teacher that they really butted heads with and didn't like, um, I would talk about why it was valuable for them to, to get along with this person and figure out a way to work together because I, I wasn't ever going to ask the teacher to change because I knew one, they wouldn't. And two, I didn't want that to be the reason why this student found success because the teacher adapted herself to be different for that kid. And then for that kid and the next kid, 
I wanted kids to be able to work with that person and find success regardless of who they were working with, because that goes back to that resilience that you're talking about, right? So with, with Kyle, true. we had only been talking for about a minute before he said that to me. And the, the big key thing is that when he said that, what I felt from him, and it's, it's nearly impossible to really describe this in an academic way, but what I felt from him was, I don't care if you're fat. I still love you and I want to help you be better. And that kind of ability to connect with somebody I think is incredibly powerful. And so many teachers are really good at that, that sometimes they think, well, if I, if I'm being trauma informed or I'm being, helping kids be resilient, then I have to be all sunshine and unicorns and butterflies. And that's not necessarily the case. But what I think is essential is that that person has to feel that you do care about them. And that is how I felt when Kyle said that to me, that it wasn't, I'm judging you. It was, here's the reality. I think I can help you be better. And I want to, I want to help you be better. And truly shortly after that, I hired him as my coach and started working with him and have seen tremendous growth, not just in my physical fitness, but in many other ways as well. And so much of that is because I feel this love from him and that relationship has only gotten deeper over the months that we've worked together. But address that issue of how do you help, how do you help people feel that you love them or you see so much potential in them that, uh, that you're not judging them if you're calling out the bad, the bad things that they're doing or the bad actions or whatever, how do you, how do you develop that and cultivate that? Yeah, that, that I say that's tough because I think it takes in my, in my experience, and I'm going to draw from my experience of, like I say, a lot of working with kids, a lot of being in a lot of classrooms, working with adolescents and repeatedly building those connections in that relationship. I think it takes an authenticity. I think it takes unconditional positive regard. I think you have to send messages with your verbals, your nonverbals, what you say, your actions, and you have to be consistent. When you say you're going to be there, you're going to be there. When you say you'll help them, you'll be them. You don't let them down. And if they're, I mean, we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. If you make a mistake or have a moment where you might've let them down, or you did something that you didn't think would, would be you know, harmful and it hurts somebody's feelings, you apologize. I think you do all the little things to build that relationship. And I think relationships, they are not solidified. They are not built. They do not build resilience by just doing the big things like, like going to an event that the, the person has to support them. I think it's in more, almost more importantly, it's in everyday little interactions that you have with the people that's going to show them what you're getting at that, that kind of unconditional positive regard that, that, Hey, you can feel safe around. We can have tough conversations. I'm going to be here for you every single day. I'm going to check in with you. I'm going to see how you're feeling. I'm going to see how I can help you every day, whatever you're going through. I will stand by you. I will make space for you. I think that's right. There's an important one for building relationships and helping people feel that, Hey, I can handle what you're going to tell me. I can handle the reality and how you can help me. And even though what you're saying is not just filling my bucket and all positive, 
I see how it's going to help me. But to get to that point where people will accept that help, kids, adults, line, a same, I mean, you have to have that level of trust that you're built. Sometimes I acclimate it to, um, a lot. I mean, adults and kids have this, have this sometimes have these big brick walls, especially if you've been through trauma or, or a lot of hard things in life and you have a hard time trusting. I think our mentality as we go to build relationships and get and build that long-term trust and build resilience is we have to work on taking one brick out a day or one brick out every time we're with that person. And that's where it goes back to my, to me, it's like, it's with every little interaction. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to hold you accountable, but I'm going to, when you're doing something great, I'm going to tell you how proud I am of you. You know, I'm going to tell you all the great things you're doing as well. There's going to be a nice balance of, you know, I'm going to correct you and, you know, help you and help you learn better skills of the missing skills you have, but I'm going to do it in a way, you know, one of the biggest things that I focus on that drives my work is I'm going to do it in a way that always creates safety, belonging, and dignity. I'm not going to do it with exclusionary tactics. I'm not going to push you away. I'm going to make space for you, even through the hard times, even if that means there's not much to say, even if I just have to sit with you and let you know you're not alone and I'm going to be here with you as you work through your own hard feelings and this hard, tough time and how you can be a problem solver yourself and build your own resilience, I'm going to make space for you. I'm going to take one brick out at a time until there's so much trust there that we can have a totally authentic relationship, have tough conversations, have positive conversations and make mm. space for each yeah, other. Yeah, I, I really like that. And having that uh, safety, belonging, and dignity is, is so powerful. I also like the idea of taking one brick out at a time that it is, it is a time consuming, laborious process. And what I would say in my story that I shared is that Kyle took the right brick out that first nope. time, the one that he needed to, oh. but he didn't take out multiple bricks because you can only take one out at a time. And if you, if you miss yeah. an opportunity, it's not like you're putting a brick back on or putting the brick back in the place. You just didn't take one out. And I, I, I like that analogy because it's like Kyle took the brick out that made it so he could see into my soul, right? He took that one brick out and then it was like, okay, I feel this and I want you to keep taking bricks out and I want to build that relationship. And, and that was really powerful for me personally to experience that firsthand. But but as you're talking about this with like kids and stuff um, and teachers that we work with, recognizing that you're just taking a brick out and that if you miss a brick one day, you're just going to work on that brick the next day. And you may not get it all the way mm -hmm. out. You may mm -hmm. just be chipping around at that mortar and it may take a while, but eventually you're going to take that brick out. And ideally you can take out one per day. Uh, that's like best case scenario. Worst case scenario, yeah. you take one out a week or one out a month or you just have a hard time getting the bricks out. But the reality is, is that you're not losing anything when you're attempting to take the bricks out, you know? And, and yeah, I, I think that's a really powerful part of that, of that analogy. Um, yeah, that's good. You're making me think here, Eric. I appreciate that. Let's talk about flex time in schools. If you've been listening for a long time, you know how important I think this is. It gives us more time for personalized learning increasing choice and agency for students, and the increased enrollment that comes with it, dedicated time for intervention and enrichment, 
And overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of FlexTime can be so tough. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit myflexlearning.com b to learn more about it and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. Well, and the other thing I would add to that is that relationships are complex and what adults or kids bring to the classroom, to the table, to the learning space, to the community spaces, wherever you're working with them, helping, coaching them, what they bring to that is different. It's unique and how they perceive trauma is different or how they, or potentially traumatic events is different for everybody. So I've had experiences where, you know, like I say, in my mind, I'm just trying to take one brick out at a time through authentic quality interactions and relationships. But I'll say, I've also had experiences where, you know, there's been setbacks and I felt like, oh, that brick got, just got put back in. And so I think you have to endure through that and realize that relationships are not a one day, a one week, a one month. Relationships take a long time and everybody's individual. So if, if you have a little bit of a setback, a brick or two gets put back in, again, focus on that safety, belonging, dignity, unconditional positive regard. And you got to send the message to the people you're working with or building relationship with that, you know, you're going to keep coming back. You're going to keep trying, even if it takes an apology, takes more effort, whatever it is, you know, you're going to come back. That brick's going to get removed again, then another brick. But yeah, you can't give up if a brick gets put back temporarily. That's just a minor setback. Keep going. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that you mentioned before was this, this idea of being authentic and having authenticity with the people that you're, that you're working with. And I think that's where being able to tell the truth comes through, but then also being able to tell the truth about yourself. And not like oversharing. So let me ask you this question. What's the difference between oversharing and being authentic and sharing your struggles, especially in a teacher-student relationship? Because that can get sticky and uncomfortable. You know, you say the word unconditional positive regard. I say the word love. You say the word seeing, seeing kids as their potential. The way I personally do that is I see them as children of God with limitless potential. Those aren't always comfortable ways to say those things in public schools, for example. So how do you, how do you yeah. be authentic um, without being inappropriate, right? Where, how, do you, how do you coach people to draw that line? And I will say in public education, one, know your setting. Know your setting. Well, sometimes we work with people in the community. Sometimes we work with people in churches. Sometimes we work with people in public education. You do have to know your setting and what is appropriate to share, what's maybe going over line. But one thing I will say that when you said that made me think of, you know, the oversharing. When you're building relationship with especially a child or somebody, 
I don't think you ever want to overshare to the point where you're almost trying to intentionally or unintentionally bring it back on you or focus on you. It's about them and their perceptions. You're making space for them. I mean, you might share a little something about, hey, I went through something similar. You know, this might be one idea, but what are your ideas? I mean, don't take the focus off them. You're trying to be, make space for them, help them build resiliency, help them build self-management and coping skills. So you have to be careful not to continue to share too much about your experience because then you're taking it away from them and you don't want to do that. But I do think in schools, again, and another word I think of, you have to be appropriately vulnerable, um, especially in schools. Now, in public schools, you want to be careful. You don't want to overshare and share too much about your personal life all the time. But I think as you get better at building relationships with kids and other adults and things like that, you know where that line is and you know what to share and what not to share. But I would also say I lean a little more towards vulnerability than maybe even I should sometimes, because I do think that brings authenticity, that brings trust. And if I'm willing to share a little part of my life with a student or with a teacher that I'm coaching without going over a line, I think it shows them that, hey, I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to be authentic with you. I'm going to be vulnerable with you. And so if I'm modeling that, then I hope they will be too. And we can build an even stronger coaching, collaborating, you know, discussion and relationship. But like it, I don't know if you've done anything with ESDAG before in the resilience team, we talk about mad, sad, glad, and afraid. I think it's a great example of that. When we do that, we are trying to model a little vulnerability, like, hey, it's okay to be mad. It's okay to have feelings of sadness, of gladness or whatever it is. And so we try to model that vulnerability and so, could, and so people can have those feelings and we can help them just, we can make space for those feelings with them and help them live through that and build resilience. But yeah, I probably lean a little more to vulnerability and just being open with, you know, my life, who I am, it, especially I would say if they ask questions. I really don't ever back down from questions, especially when I'm trying to build rapport with a, a teacher, a student like that. You know, I don't back down from questions if they want to ask me something because I want that student to know that, hey, I'm not going to hide a lot of things from you. This is who I am. This is how I'm going to help you. If you want to ask me about, you know, where I went to college or whatever, or even more personal, then ask me away. I'm going to be vulnerable with you, and I'm gonna, but I'm going to, in the same note, I'm going to hold you accountable yeah, when I need yeah. to. And, and I think that that piece really is, is important to understand. When, when kids want to connect with you and they ask you these more personal questions, the value of not backing down or being afraid of it. And one of the things that I often say is uh, I'm taking off my whatever hat and putting on my other hat to oh. say, this is not a conversation I would typically have with someone like you because you're a student, I'm a principal or whatever the case may be, but I'm going to do this because you asked that specific question. So just know like, I'm sharing a part of me as Jethro, the human being, rather than sharing the part of Jethro, the school principal or Mr. Jones, the school principal. Right. Yeah. And, and being clear wow. about like, Hey, we're entering into a different phase of this relationship and we're going to be intentional about it and clear about it and show where the borders are. I'm not going to say this stuff yeah. at, as I'm doing a, a school-wide announcement 
but you and I one-on-one, sure, we can have this kind of a relationship. And I'm going to say like with my own kids, for example, we go to church and, and I will say things like, this is what the church teaches. This is what I believe. And it's up to you to decide what you really believe. But I'm not going to say this is what the church believes because I'm afraid of you going away from the church. I'm not going to say this is what I believe because you have to do what I say. I want you to actually know that one, I don't agree with everything that everybody else says. And two, that there are differences of opinions on a lot of different things. And in a school setting, similar type of thing. This is what the school policy is. This is how I think we should act. Those two things may not align. In some situations, the school policy is too lenient. In other situations, the school policy is too strict. And we should not be held to those standards because it's not realistic. And it's okay for us to discuss those things and be open about it so that when you then come later and say, I broke this rule, I'm not throwing the book at you or judging you. I'm being understanding and authentic in our response. Does that make sense, Eric? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think we're going to, and I, what I love about that is both your analogy with your own kids and with kids at school or people you work with. I think the beauty of that is leaving space for them to have some, what, some control over their life and their decision. It's not that I'm doing something to them, whether it's helping them, giving them a discipline that's going to teach them better, or I'm not making the decision for them. It's making space in a trauma-informed, authentic relationship that, hey, I will share this part of my views, my world, myself with you, but you have the power to make a choice here of your own. And that's going to help you grow. And that's going to help you build confidence. And that's going to might help you learn a powerful lesson in life. And again, going back to that, it's going to help you build resilience and future success in your own life. When you leave space for them and don't make the decision for them or don't tell them what to do, it's like, hey, let's discuss it. Now, what decision, what do you feel is going to be best for you, whether it's a belief or an action? I'll highlight the thing that you said there that brought this out for me is that it gives them permission to make their own choice, even if it's the choice you don't agree with. And, and that's what I love about that, that approach is that they, they don't have to make every choice that I would agree with. They need to make their own choices and then we need to work through those. And they may still have a consequence or something negative happened because they made that choice and that's okay too. Yeah, because that can be just as powerful as a learning experience and have personal growth for them just as much as if they would have made the decision, the same decision that I thought they should make, even though I didn't tell them. And like I say, you're still making space through that maybe kind of painful for them growing process because they made a choice that, uh, that they look back on and say, well, probably wasn't the best choice, but the positive long-term impact that that could have on them, especially if we who are, have a relationship with them and can make space for them and kind of walk them through that and let them work themselves through that can have just as much as a powerful and positive effect and resilience building impact as making the perfect choice every time. I mean, that is, that is so cool because that takes away the, the, uh, the judgment, the frustration, the, the anxiety around making the quote unquote wrong choice and gives them opportunity to be more authentic, more connected and more 
resilient in whatever choices that they're making, that it's not about, you know, making the right choice according to someone. It's about making the right choice for you and being given the space to do that as well. And I just think that that's, that's really powerful. Well, and the space to make mistakes. I mean, if they know that they have a space that they don't have to be perfect, we are not going to judge them. It's okay. We are all human. We will make mistakes. But yet, even when those mistakes, I will still make space for you and I will still help you process that. I will still walk next to you through that maybe difficult time and I will help you come out better on the other side through that learning. It's that authenticity of it's okay to make mistakes. We will get through this together. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, Eric, here's the crazy thing. We already are at time for this episode. Like that time just flew wow. by. That's amazing. It did. Um, what parting words would you say, say to someone who's listening that uh, how they should connect with you or learn more from you or, or be part of what you're doing? Any, anything you want to put out there? Well, I will tell you the quickest way is Bridging to Resilience coming up. It's a trauma-informed conference in Wichita, Kansas, November 6th through 8th. You can register for that by going to the ESDAC website. So I'm helping MC that. So I'll be talking to the audience and we'll be doing some grounding and with some connecting activities that are relationship building in and of itself. Um, I'll be leading a couple of sessions on my own, but you know, more importantly than me, there are so many amazing, wonderful, you'll yeah. be there, Jethro. Um, I mean, there's so many other keynote speakers and trauma-informed resilience team members who are going to be sharing how to build relationships how to connect with kids, how to build resilience in adults and kids. That's probably the quickest way. Um, but you can also go to the ESDAC website and you can go to my profile and you can schedule a time in my open schedule. I'm happy to have open conversations with people who want to schedule and talk about trauma-informed. Um, like many of the other resilience team members, um, if, if you want to have trauma-informed training and just knowledge about how to work with kids, adults through a trauma-informed mindset and lens, uh, build relationships. I go out there and do trainings for whole school districts, for classrooms, for just individual schools. And quite honestly, my cell phone is right there on the website. So I'm open to calls. I don't know. I really, Jethro, I really try in all my time in, in education, helping others. I don't, again, that whole vulnerability. People sometimes say, well, gosh, you give out your cell phone. Yes, mm -hmm. I do. If someone wants to call me, I'll help you. I'll have a conversation with you. Let's discuss. Let's, what can I do to build your own resilience? And then you can build resilience yeah. for others. I don't know. I, I kind of look at it as my own little possible way to continue to change the world. I, I appreciate you being on the show so much. And uh, that's SDAC, E-S-S-D-A-C-K dot O-R-G slash uh, B2R23 for the conference this year. And stay tuned to this podcast because yep. I'm going to be interviewing as many people as I can next week at, at, the, at the conference. So, Eric, thanks so much for being part of Resilient Schools, part of the B Podcast Network. I so appreciate you being here. I appreciate you letting me have me. It's a great, it was a great conversation. I love that the, your passion for relationships is, is so amazing. Thank, Thank you. you so much. If you like what you heard, there are three ways that you can get more from it. First, share the podcast with your friends and talk about it with them as well. Second, go to resilientschools.com and download the roles in a Resilient Schools cheat sheet. Third, reach out to us if you need training around any of the topics on this podcast. 
by going to resilientschools.com. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash B-E.